Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever, however, and whenever you're listening. Welcome to another episode of The Melanin Report. I'm your host, Marquise Lupton, and we have a great jam-packed show for you all today, folks. We're going to be talking about our top five stories of today. We got stories taking us to Georgia. We got stories taking us to the city of brotherly love. And we have stories taking us to a discussion about plastic surgery and what that means for your melanin. You know how we like to do. We like to always bring our cousin of the show from Black News Beat. We have Dr. Kamika Campbell. How you doing today, Dr. K? I'm doing great. All right, all it's right. It's a great day. Yes, it is. Folks, you know how and what we like to do. We like to give you the things that you need, give you the things that you want, and give you the things that you didn't even know existed. So let's get right to it. Our first story takes us to Georgia, where a police department is under fire after images of several all-white shooting students using pictures of a black man as target practice were posted on its social media. The pictures were from the Villa Rica Police Department's firearm safety class on June 17th. And while the, and while the police department said the earlier targets uh, were white men, the one posted on its Facebook resembled middle-aged black men with a skull cap, a gun, and a menacing scowl. The Villa police chief insists the department uses people of all races. However, concerned citizens and the mayor say officers should have known the jarring images would spark outrage. Uh, the Villa Rica police chief, Michael Mansour, also commented on the incident. He stated uh, the posting was all a huge misunderstanding, asserting the images the force uses have all been approved by the Georgia Peace Officer Standard Training Council. So I'm going to start our conversation uh, right there. Well, matter of fact, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm going to add <laughs> this little this little nugget of information. This all happened on the week and weekend of Juneteenth mm, mm, mm. as well. So, so I mean, it's just... Uh, so we are practicing to hit some, some black black and brown folks since you're using that particular one on the weekend of Juneteenth? Hmm, I mean, I mean, that's... that's And, and that's that's what it is. It's, it's, it's interesting because it's like, it feels like this was intentional, you know, uh, and, and then it feels like you got exposed by some visitors hmm. because otherwise if the visitors weren't there, nobody else would have known about that's this. That's right. That's right. Um, I think this is interesting because, one, does anybody remember 2013 when they were using Trayvon Martin's picture mm. for target practice? Same kind of thing. So it's interesting to see. Uh, it's just interesting to see that, one, our institutional memory as a country is short because there was a lot of outrage about that as well when we were using they were using Trayvon Martin's uh, body mm. and likeness at, for target practice as well. So people have very short institutional memories. And then second, what... <laughs> All over the country, people were even everywhere. People were highlighting all the violence that took place on Juneteenth and, oh, violent Juneteenth, most violent weekend in this and this part and that part. And what I thought was interesting about that is there were so many more wonderful, beautiful celebrations that were happening on Juneteenth that were were not highlighted. How about that? Right. Even in these around surrounding these places where these weird incidents are taking place. Right. And. So to see that they would use um, a black person on this very important weekend, right, going into Juneteenth, is, is it's more than concerning. I don't even think, and the thing I'll say to counter what you said, I don't think it's intentional. I think this is just how people operate. I oh. think, right, like I really think that they don't really think very deeply. They, they for example, in um, our city, 
the first post that the city of Harrisburg ah, made, speak on it, right about Juneteenth was putting bikes, cops on bikes, yeah, in order to. Uh, make sure they were prepared for the Juneteenth weekend. And they said, oh, Juneteenth weekend's a big thing in the city of Harrisburg. Yeah. And we're prepared. So, we're prepared. For, right. you know, we want to make the, the cops a little friendlier because they're more approachable if they're on bikes. And so they don't think about what, think, what these things mean, particularly as it connects to Juneteenth, mm. as it connects to policing, as it connects to the origins of policing in this right. country. Um, so I just think we have a lot more work to do as far as education is concerned, as far as like using the historical happenings in this country so that we don't keep making these really weird mistakes over and over again. Right, because you 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 never seen a post like that on St. Patrick's Day. Uh-uh. And and St. Patrick's Day is by far and large a widely more heavier drinking day Rowdy. than Juneteenth. So so you would think like hey there's a bunch of drunk people on the roads, on the streets, on St. Patty's Day, why wouldn't that same energy? Oh, I like where yep. you're going. Like yep. where you're going with that. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so to dig dig a little bit deeper. Um, so, um, one effort um, uh, that the city did uh, was to ask the city's human resources director and the city attorney to identify an outside organization to investigate what happened from the top of the training to the bottom mm-hmm. um, department that dealt with the posts, mm-hmm. um, and and who actually gave this this green light to put this stuff up. Now, I did a little bit of, of research here, folks, and and these um, these, uh, these these targets they can actually be purchased, and they are being purchased from two places. Uh, they could be purchased off of Amazon. That's that's typically where the consumers go. But that's the, where the Trayvon Martin one came from. It was weird, so weird about that. And, and then the um on uh, this one, SpeedwellTargets.com, um or Targets.net. This is where the police agency goes, uh, where they get certain discounts. And and I scoured that, and just on the first page, just on the first page, three black men. Mm. You know, so so I I I'm also looking at the distributor. You know, not just the purchaser, right. but but That's also right. the, the person that is constructing this and then and then selling it. You know, there's they're 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 making the intention to buy these black male targets instead of buying generic targets. What say you? I say I say the same thing. You have to you have to examine the ecosystem around how something like that could happen, yes. right? Be, or the activity system. There's a lot of words you could use for that because it's one an issue of supply and demand. They would make mm. it if those weren't being bought by police departments right. and law enforcement departments all over the country, right? right? So that's the other piece. They're making a lot of money doing that. So I'm sure that mm. this one police department is not the only one in the country, right? Right, that's using these targets. Why would why would there be a whole outfit on Amazon and another site, two whole different sites where they keep making these targets and police right. departments keep buying them? So what's the justification? Justification is, oh well, you have to practice shooting people. I, I guess I, you got to practice shooting people that look like criminals. I don't know what their justification is. Mm-hmm. However, I think that part of, even with a justification is we have to practice on life like targets so they know what they're shooting or whatever the justification is that policing must be deconstructed to understand why we feel that shooting a person is how we need to police in this country right in in a in a very magnanimous way like there are too many shootings now that have proven that the 
police literally shoot first and ask questions later. Yeah. This has literally been proven in courts over and over again. So if we keep doing it that way and, and we're making targets out of people who look like others in our community, what do we expect? Do we expect police to get better? Do we expect communities to trust police? Hmm. Do we expect these things when we're literally using people that look like them as, tar- as for target practice? Right. Right. And to uh, wrap this up, folks, be, be, before we go to our our next story, um, this has been an ongoing issue for years in this country that unfortunately continues to happen. So check this out. Uh, Michigan, some Boy Scouts took a field trip to Farmington Hills Police Department where parents took photos of their shooting targets that were depicted as black men holding different weapons. That was in 2022. In 2015, the North Miami Beach Police, I'll say that again, the North Miami Beach police were under fire after it was discovered that they were using mug shots of real black men Mm -hmm. as targets for target practice. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's not just a traditional police issue. Uh, It's it's a law enforcement issue. And when you're shooting at those targets, you know, on, let's say, almost a daily basis, what does that do to you psychologically? And that's not what's that's not what's being studied. Right. So my, other, my last question is, well, who is sitting for these pictures when they're being sold online? Is it AI or is well, it real people? Well, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> how about that? Because ChatGPT just came out okay. last week. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> Lens of AI, all of it. Okay. Right. Uh, so, uh, so our next story, folks. Our second story takes us to the city of brotherly love, uh, where a Philadelphia student uh, is saddened after his opportunities to attend senior prom and graduation were stripped by his chief administrator. Deshaun Walker uh, was shot on February 21st. Now, remember that date, folks, February 21st, as he was walking home from school in North Philadelphia. He was less than a block away from home when the shooter hopped out of a gray Nissan and opened fire. He was shot 10 times, and a 13-year-old girl was also shot once in the arm by a stray bullet. And this is according to the Philadelphia Inquirer. Nine of the bullets shattered bones in both of Walker's Mm. legs, and the 10th bullet ripped through his intestines. One of the bullets still remains somewhere in his body. The doctors can't find it at the moment. Walker was in a coma for two days at Temple University Hospital and then spent a week in the intensive care unit. In total, Walker spent a month at Temple and a month at Shriners Hospital for Children's Rehabilitation Center. Uh, so, uh, what what had happened was what had happened was right. mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, prom prom was coming up and graduation was coming up, and the chief administrator denied both. Uh, said that he cannot go to both for fear that there might be some kind of retaliation from this shooting now mind you this happened february 21st mm-hmm. and and since then since you know may graduation or well this is philly so june graduation may prom um the the suspect has been apprehended since then so yes. so this flimsy excuse Very I'm, flimsy. I'm going to say uh it's it's really alarming here to stop this kid from one of the greatest moments in his life and mind you his his parents his mom rather has reported that the school has not been very supportive of this that's right and and the the thing here is if you read through some of the article the 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 student himself um doesn't know why he was targeted yeah so this child doesn't know why he was targeted he wants to 
recover, yeah. get on with it, make some semblance of a life. And this very important milestone, after you have gotten, you were shot 10 times, had to be rehabilitated, you, are, you have metal in your legs, to all these different things, and then to have this stripped from you for the reason of you are a target, so therefore you don't get to participate because you are the target. Even though the kid literally was like, I think he was looking for somebody who had a hoodie on like mine. I don't right. know why he targeted me. Right. Um, so I think that I have a lot to say on this subject, but but the main thing is how this is part of how we don't deal with certain types of of uh, incidents in our community well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I under I I do get the founders' idea that you have to protect the other students. I get it, mm-hmm. especially because the ten year old girl was also grazed by this bullet in her arm, and she was literally not a target. Yeah. Um. So, it's it's this idea that someone can come in, especially with all the school shootings, someone can come in and shoot at the school trying to get at one person. Yeah. So there's a lot to consider. However, the fact that this student was a victim and wasn't a survivor, a survivor, and wasn't made to feel that they could be safe in their own school is in their own school is very problematic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and to add uh, to this, uh, Ver- Ver- Veronica Joyner, uh, who is the school's founder mm-hmm. um, and and chief administrative officer. Um, uh, the report says that she became concerned after watching the news the day after the shooting. Uh, she didn't understand why someone would shoot Walker and heard the police captain say he was a target, um, according to the Philadelphia Inquirer. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, again, uh, that shooting happened in February. Graduation was was in June. Um, so just to paint this picture for you folks, um, make it an, a, another point here. Walker had to learn how to walk again. Um, and his legs are being held together by metal rods. Uh, he had more than a dozen surgeries and and lived with a colostomy um, bag for three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says he still struggles with anxiety, depression, and nightmares. Like I could not understand the the the, the kind of um, um, trauma that this kid is going through, yeah. especially after being denied. You know, some some groundbreaking opportunities, some mm-hmm. life changing opportunities. Uh, so as 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 a Ph.D., uh, what's what's <laughs> your take on on this administrator's actions? Um, as a Ph.D., I don't know, but I have some words. To <laughs> as, no, it's a mixed bag because I think that, um, yeah, as a person who has been a teacher and mm-hmm. taught in schools, I understand. I was never an administrator. So you're responsible for the whole entire school. Yeah. As the, in that role, you know, you and, and a few other leaders. So I get that you are thinking of the safety of the school. I get that. However, what about the how do we keep and make students feel safe who have been through something like that? Yeah. He isolating him away from his peers even before this this prom, because that's what happened. They made the decision to keep him out of school yeah. and, and put him into um into online learning for the rest of the time. So keeping him away from his peers, how does that affect his development? Keeping away from interacting and learning in the way that he has been learning for a while, how does that how does that affect his development in addition to what already happened to him? So there's so many right. things to think about. And the other piece that I think that we have to think about too is how, what, what are the messages we give to other students mm. who may have been a target um, erroneously or or was actually a target. This was an erroneous target. He was not the person allegedly that, you know, he who the shooter meant. But what what's the message we're giving other students as well about how they are treated if they are a victim of something? Right. I mean, this can be a victim of, of anything, a sexual assault, 
Uh, and that's what happens with a lot of sexual assault Some victims, too. They are separated from their peers. They're separated mm. out from society. And they're treated like a perpetrator and not like a survivor or somebody who had something happen to them that was unwarranted. Right. So there are a lot of messages. And, and the outcomes from that can be really severe, right? You have When, when people are in isolation... You, your mind can run away into all kinds of different depression and anxiety and situations that, you know, if you had some support, could have been mitigated. Right. So I as, and it's just as, as a as a I'm putting myself also like if I, if I was a, a high school student, how that would affect me and how and I would I was terrified thinking about that. Mm. How would that affect me if I was in a situation or if I was a peer, not even in the kid situation, but just looking at that, looking at the trauma of it. It's a lot to unpack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 then um, I'm I'm also side eyeing um, Philadelphia administrators. Oh my gosh! Because we 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 have seen this um, it, at Girls High uh, just just recently, where one of the graduates did the gritty on on the stage. Yes. And then she was denied her diploma, which is crazy. It, absolutely crazy. Ridiculous. Like there, there's, there, there was more damage that the adults did, mm-hmm. and there was more outrage of what the adults did than what that kid did for that five seconds. Absolutely right. And that is insane. And what about the young lady who um, I forget what school? I think she's I forget what school she is now, but she snatched the mic from the one. Um, person who was cutting them off from saying saying their names. She noticed they were cutting the black kids off from saying their names. Yeah. And she and people were like, oh, how dare her? But really, the the original issue was this woman was not letting each of the kids have a fair moment right. in their graduation. So there's a lot going on in the country where I think, man, we got to think better about about how we're treating students, yeah. especially the ones we say we uh, need a leg up in this world in order to get to the next level that have been systematically held back from being at next levels. We got to treat them better. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get to our third third story uh, of, of today. We are cooking with grease here. Yes, we are. Uh, so um, a black gay couple uh, says um, a store called the cops on them for buying nice things. <laughs> Bed Bath & Beyond says it's investigating after Lamar Richards shared a Toledo store employee stopped him and his partner and took some items from their cart as they were shopping. A gay black couple is sharing their experience after alleging a store employee called the police on them for purchasing $600 worth of items because $600 is a lot. Mm -hmm. According to Newsweek, Lamar Richards uh, said Bed Bath & Beyond employees in Toledo, Ohio, accused him and his partner of trying to shoplift, citing too many high ticket items in their cart as they patronized the store on June 16th. Richards, who is the director of advocacy at the Coalition for Nonprofit Housing and Economic Development, posted on Twitter that a store employee stopped them, seized things from their cart worth more than $200, and held them as the two continued browsing. After they checked out, having spent $600 for their items, Richards shared police at the Bed Bath & Beyond informed the couple that authorities had been called to the store after employees suspected the men of attempting theft. Richards said when he and his partner questioned the manager and the, and, and the employee who phoned the police as to why they did so, they were told it's our right to call the police. Store management employees identified the couple to Toledo police as two black males that are suspected of shoplifting. Mm, mm, mm. So, uh, <laughs> could, you imagine, <laughs> could you imagine being in the store and they're like you look too poor to buy these put Yo. it down what <laughs> like, yeah. that doesn't make any sense <laughs> what like, like this is this is 
this is another example of of something something while black. You know, oh, anything. Like, <laughs> fill it in while black. Yeah, right, right, right. Fill in the blank. Shopping wild black. at Bed Bath and you'll be on while black. Wild black. And, and I'm like, isn't picking up two hundred dollar <laughs> items while black. black? Like what? And, and and then and then the audacity to put your hand in the cart and take it out and take stuff out. Like first of all, and 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 I'm I'm going to say this with the utmost respect to all of our retail workers out there, but. Come on. Come on. Come like come on. Come on. Especially Bed Bath and Beyond that's going out of business. Y'all need every penny. Stop playing. <laughs> like I I I just and I I don't get it. Um it's <laughs> it this so false, weird. false sense of security, you know, and and it's not just with Bed Bath and Beyond because you know, there, there, there's a study here. There's some numbers that we'll get into um in, in, in a little bit here, but um when when you talk about black people and retail, there's a lot of shared experiences that that we can look at this and be like, oh, okay, well, I experienced something like this or something similar. Have you? Oh my gosh! I mean, I have experienced this plenty of times where people follow you around the store. <sighs> I had a situation years ago when I was shopping for my apartment in grad school, mm. and the woman in Wolf Furniture in State College, Pennsylvania, State College, Pennsylvania, followed me around the store. So I finally turned to her because she wouldn't talk to me. Yeah, and I turned to her and I said, "Can I help you?" Mm-hmm. And she said, "Oh, I just, I mean, you're, are you shopping?" I mean, in here, (laughs) taking my lunch break? Like, what do you think I'm doing, right? So she um, followed me around a little more, and then she was like... Well, um, so how, so what are you what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm a you know I'm a grad student. I'm in a mm-hmm. PhD program. Blah blah blah. And she goes, good for you. Everybody deserves a break. After asking me, honey, after asking me how how I paid for it, all all in my business, all in my business. I'm thinking I'm wow. having conversation. We're building a rapport with this woman, yeah. only for her to me, only for her to be like, good for you. Everyone deserves and tap me on my hand. Good for you. Everyone wow. deserves a break. Wow. Yeah, it's the racism <sighs> for me. Also, yes, we have all. So many of us have experienced this. And the, the, the story that comes to mind, again, this is from 20. Listen, 2013 was really live in my research this week <laughs> because a lot of this stuff literally happened 10 years ago. Man. Like it, it wasn't that long ago that the, some of these stories were big news stories in the country um, for people to, again, be doing the same foolishness, not even a decade later. So it's very weird to me. So if you remember this story. Um, this young man, he went into Barney's and had saved up his little money to buy a belt, and he bought the belt, mm-hmm. and the, they still had the police come in and hold the young man. This is wow. just 10 years ago, right? Black teen sues after, over arrest after buying. He bought the belt, and they still arrested him. That's the weirdest thing about it. Yeah. Like, he had, at least they, they, at least they snatched the items out of their cart. He bought the belt and wow. still got arrested. Wow. craziness it, it is it is it is and and to um to to piggyback off of that um what what the what the couple was wearing because when i go shopping i'm i'm cognizant mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't have to be should but, not but i'm cognizant of of what i have on and and this right here the frustrated customers um said that they were unaware the cops were at the store mm. for them pointing out that one of them an incoming graduate was wearing a Johns Hopkins University T-shirt. Wait a minute now. And his boyfriend was sporting a Michigan mm. College of Pharmacy T-shirt. Mm, mm, mm. So we have we have some of uh, some of the best medical institutes <laughs> on their chest, 
and they still subject them to some criminal activity. And that is why we are, that's what we all know, is that no matter what degrees you get, I mean, mm. Jay-Z wrote a little song about yes, this. Yes, he did. So no matter what degrees you get, no matter how much money you make, it does not stop people from being discriminatory according yeah. to what they think you should be, right? Yeah. It, it does not stop that. We have built up these stereotypes in our country. We've built up these stereotypes that have been imprinted now on people's psyches. Right. And so when you see black men, you don't care what they got on. They could have on a, a tuxedo, and you'll think they have on something that makes them look threatening. Right. It doesn't matter if it's a tuxedo or it doesn't matter if it's shorts. It doesn't matter if you're bareback. Right. It doesn't matter. And so it's you, you could look homeless or you could look like the king of, of the world. It doesn't right. matter. You could look like Barack Obama. You know what I mean? Um, and you will still be profiled uh, because we have built up in our national psyche in our, in our institutional memory as a country, again, going back to that institutional memory that cannot be shaken for some reason, that black men in particular are a threat. Erroneously, right. though, it's erroneous. Right, right. And, and, and then when you even look at uh, brothers in a suit, you know, um, I, a couple times happened to me walking downtown Lancaster, you know, um, came, came, came out of a job interview, saw some people, oh, where are you coming from, court? Like and, and that's 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 people's first thought. First thing. First thought. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm coming from court. So you see a black man in a suit downtown. Your first thought is he's coming from court. He was he was a defendant too. You, <laughs> right. you because coming from court doesn't mean that you were on the prosecutorial right, side. Right. Right. Or right? that I was working. Or you were working. It means you were defendant. Right. That's what they think. Right. Mm-hmm. You must have got off or something. That's right. That's because right. Because you walking around. You were walking around out here. Oh, the suit must have helped. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. So uh, we we are um, going to get to our next story. Um, but before we do, I do want to give this um, a last point on, on this story. Uh, KFF. Um, the independent source uh, for health policy research, polling and news uh, found that seven out of 10 black people they interviewed experienced some kind of discrimination uh, when they were shopping. That tracks. <laughs> it does. It does. And, and, and according to the same study um, uh, last year, black Americans were seven times more likely to be wrongly accused uh, than their white counterparts. Um, so like our elders used to say, uh, if you know better, you'll do better. So, um, we got to get, we got to get the word out because we're not doing better because we're still doing the same mistakes from 2013. Listen, and y'all can't see me, but I'm rolling my eyes. I'm like, oh, (laughs) is it still seven out of 10? Is it still five more times likely? I mean, it's so just at this point, it's just such... It's so tiring. It's so exhausting to still hear these numbers not mm. change after so much time. That part. And and so it's 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 about getting the word out. It's also about addressing your internal bias. So there mm. the Harvard University has an implicit bias study that you can take today. So look up Harvard University's implicit bias study. It is an ongoing site that helps you recognize what your implicit biases are. And I've taken all of the tests. I've taken I take them every year. Mm. You shouldn't take them too close together, but you, you can take them one time, I would say one time every 6 months to a year to start to recognize what your implicit biases are. Ooh. So that way that you you are starting to attack, if you're serious about, about um, progress in this country, if you're serious about being um, anti-hate and discrimination, if you're serious about those things, one of the ways that you can start to really, as, a, as, a, as an individual, attack some of that is by understanding your own implicit bias and how you can break down break that down in order to to commune with your fellow uh, citizens and residents and people in this world in a much better way in a non-discriminatory way 
Oh, I love it. I love it. The more you know, <laughs> the more you know. So our our fourth story, uh, we got one more story after this. Uh, our, our fourth story um, takes us to the world of plastic surgery. Oh, I love this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Me too. So the largest black surgery specialty organization in the world will now be run by a black man. Dr. Stephen Williams was recently appointed the president of the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, making him the first black man to hold the position. In an Instagram post, Dr. Stephen Williams said he's humbled and grateful for the opportunity, but also wants to make lasting changes within the organization. Uh, He says for more than 15 years, he served as vice president of membership and was an active member of the board within the organization. Dr. Williams states uh, that when you look at who has occupied this role, you see the legends of plastic surgery, the people who have brought the biggest innovation, the biggest change, the biggest growth the people that are most passionate about plastic surgery. For me personally, it's an achievement to be the first African-American person to be president at ASPS. It's an incredible sense of honor, duty, and pride. I'm really standing on the shoulders of people who came before me. Uh, Williams looks to educate folks on plastic surgery procedures uh, with the hopes of making them safer by allowing people to make more informed decisions. Mm-hmm. And, and as we see this uptick um, in, in, in plastic surgery, um, it, it's good to hear uh, that, that one, uh, they're you know, leaning on diversity, but not that much. We'll get into those figures um, uh, a little bit later. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with the um, with the intention of of making this uh, plastic surgery more safer, uh, which needs to be as, as more people search it out. So absolutely. Dr. K, what are your thoughts on this story? This um, is a great I think it's a it's a great first step or second step because he was already on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think it at least puts a a spotlight on what many in the black and brown communities have known to be problems with plastic surgeries and Mm. different body enhancements where people, particularly people of color, women of color, leave out of the country or go to um, not reputable places to have body enhancements done. I think about Kanye West's mother who passed away. I think about Jackie O who just passed away, um, which was mentioned in the article. I think about... Um, Nola Darling, if anybody watched, um, she's got to have it with Nola, with, um, Nola Darling on Netflix, the series. Mm-hmm. Was it called She's Got to Have It? I was probably wrong. But um, there, one of the subplots was a young woman who was in the entertainment industry who wanted to enhance her body so much. Mm-hmm. And they draw it out through the series. Um, and she has a really comical but scary mishap in the series that m- m- makes her reckon with um, the alteration she's done to her body unsafely. Mm. And um, the thing is, what people don't realize with some of these alterations is it's not people slam women who have BBLs. They slam people who have yeah. plastic surgery. But that's not the problem. The problem is the unsafe manner. So hopefully having somebody in this position who is a black man who can speak to not just the the wider community who's get, getting these uh, surgeries that are um, from top-notch doctors, and but it all can also speak to the the, the folks who um, want to. They see these enhancements being done, mm-hmm. and they want the same thing, but may not have access to the same quality of care mm-hmm. that other folks are getting. So, how do we? I'm hoping he can speak to that. I'm hoping he can speak to, you know, making sure people are safe yeah. because it can. It's done safely all the time. So people. 
you know, really kind of poo-poo on black and brown women who are getting it done when really this is being done safely all the time. How do we make it safe and how do we make it safe and accessible? The knowledge that it can be safe and accessible, how do we make that reach more people, as particularly um, black and brown persons who are who want to take advantage. Right. And 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 then this um, th- this diversity in in medicine, you know, him him heading this, you know, now now hopefully it'll come down the pipeline uh, when it comes to different kinds of practices with with plastic surgery. Um, I, I read read an Instagram um, post uh, um, uh, about this lady that had um, that had some surgery done to her um, to her skull. And and she was saying how like when when she woke up uh, from from her surgery that she had more braids in her hair uh, uh, <clears throat> when she got out of surgery than than going into surgery, and and what happened was she had a black male um, uh, surgeon, and and what he did was before he did the surgery, he parted and braided her hair. Mm. And then, and 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 then, um, uh, the method of surgery that he used for his uh, for her skull, he uh, he, he made incisions um, along the parts so that it's not invasive. The um, incision was small, and then her hair will grow over the scar. Mm-hmm. And and she said that she couldn't do anything but cry because this doctor took this extra step mm-hmm. to do this. You know, and she doesn't feel like a doctor of, of any other culture, you know, would have done that as well. And then she said, and and how crazy is it that this black man knows how to braid? That's right. <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. Know? Right, right, right. Culturally sensitive. Yes. Culturally informed and culturally relevant care. Yeah. That's that's exactly what I'm hoping that this this new president can bring bring to that. Right. Right. So so on the um, black patients and black surgeons uh, side size of things. Um, Black patients and black surgeons uh, have been underrepresented in plastic surgery. Only 11% of patients uh, who got cosmetic surgery are black, and that's according to uh, 2020 statistics from ASPS. And some estimates show about 2 to 3%, I'll say that again, some estimates show 2 to 3% of plastic surgeons are black. 2 to 3%. Um, and then when we talk about um, uh, surgeons in in the teaching field, uh, that that goes even even lower. And when we're talking about black women surgeons um, that are teaching, oh. we're talking about zero point seven nine percent out of fifteen thousand medical school surgical faculty. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. not even one mm-hmm. percent, mm-hmm. and zero percent um, um, are department chairs. Oh, yeah. You know, so that's that's, uh, uh, you know, I'm 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 happy. I'm, I'm happy that that Dr. Williams now is is heading this, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but what I'm hoping is that there's a trickle down effect. That's a cuss word. I know. I'm hoping that there is this trickle down effect of of diversity, you know, um, but. Well, let's 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 think about the the trickle down. Mm-hmm. Do we want trickle down or do we want intentional programmatic changes Ooh. and structural changes to make sure that we open up those pathways for students to get into the field? Yes, I worked at two different um, major hospital uh, systems where. They had aesthetic departments where it's like you plastic surgery and aesthetics were in those departments. Mm-hmm. And there were no the only black people were like the 
the um, the assistant, medical assistants and Mm -hmm. different folks in the field, but there were no black doctors at all. There weren't any any black CRMPs. There weren't any black. I mean, so (laughs) it's hard. It's it's hard for it's hard if you are not doing. I have a friend who right now is working on structurally changing um, where she is professing as a medical professor, Mm. how the pathways for students. Right. How the what the pathways are for them to come into the into the system that takes structural change. It's not trickle down. It is strategic, and it is intentional. Right? We yes. talk about intentionality in another story. It is intentional how you structure, how you break down the the rubric, the the admissions rubrics, how you think about culturally relevant um, teaching, mm-hmm. how you think about culturally re- relevant recruitment into medical schools, um, and that's across the board. Like, these numbers are similar in so many different specialties across the, the medical field. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. Our cousin, Dr. K, dropping knowledge. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And and folks, this takes us to our last story, our fifth story of, of the day. So our fifth story of the day uh, takes us down to Florida. And, oh, no. And Florida <laughs> being Florida. Uh, so ahead of Juneteenth, Ron DeSantis slashes funding for black history programs in Florida. He also vetoed $5 million in funding that was secured for anti-gun violence groups by state Democrats. So according to the Tampa Bay Times, DeSantis cut about $510 million uh, from a $117 billion budget, which was approved unanimously by the state legislator. Ultimately, what he cut regarding black history programs was only a tiny fraction, uh, but the governor eliminated 160 hundred thousand in funding for a Black History Month celebration in Orlando called the 1619 Fest, whose theme this year was to bring awareness to the health disparities black people face in America. DeSantis also cut 200000 in funding for Florida's Black Music Legacy, a project designed to highlight the state's contributions to black music. And then last year, DeSantis vetoed $1 million for Valencia College to create a feature film about the 1920 okay election day massacre in which a white mob attacked and killed dozens of black voters in the nation's worst instance of election day violence now here's the thing folks but the budget also injects millions into showing up conservative ideology in florida's colleges and universities surprise yeah right (laughs) and millions more for desantis priorities as he runs for president there is 30 million for the new hamilton center for classical and civic education a conservative think tank affiliated with the university of florida the budget includes more than 34 million to remake new college of florida into a bastion of conservative ideals similar to his hisdale college a private christian school in Michigan. Hmm. So Florida's going to Florida. Hmm. <laughs> um, but but I, I'm actually going to uh, take a back seat here because we do have a uh, do you still consider yourself a Florida resident or? No. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so Florida is an interesting place. If Man, I don't have enough time. <laughs> because fo- folks don't understand the Florida's landscape is very interesting. And for a long time, um, from a political perspective, people saw Florida as a kind of a purplish state. Mm. And only in the last 15 to 20 years 
have we seen that Florida has become a very deep red state. Yes. And there is reasons for that. The, the, the Democrats in the state, and this is speaking very loosely, have a difficult time organizing around very important topics. And the Republicans have been courting the Hispanic population, which has been on the rise in Florida, for a generation. Mm. So now you're seeing in the last part of that generation, I mean, longer than that, but really when they realize, well, they're not going anywhere. I guess we got to figure out how they're going to get them to vote for us. Yeah. Um, once they realize that, you know, trying to stop felons from voting, trying to do all these things, some of the things weren't, it wasn't going to be the, the, the lasting effect that they wanted. They actually started organizing on the ground and pitching their ideas you know, door to door with mm-hmm. voters. So Ron DeSantis is the um, outcome of of a very organized uh, uh, Republican outfit in the state of Florida. So that's one. Wow. Two, him doing this, him making these small nicks and cuts. He is he's he is employing a model uh, that is resonating with voters around the country, mm-hmm. right? So what won Trump the presidency were people being sick and tired of all the wokeness and woke that. And so he's just following that vein. DeSantis, to me, is more disingenuous than Trump because he's following a model that he's – what's the word? More of an opportunistic model. Okay, yeah. Because he is going where the votes are instead of having any kind of moral foundation, moral, ethical, whatever you want to call it, foundation that says we want to do the most good for the most people. Right. Where where the people, no matter what their ideas are, no matter how I think in relation to what they think, how am I going to gin up support for people to vote for me? So every move he makes where he's cutting black this and cutting black that and cutting Hispanic this and really not too many Hispanic things. But he is he is looking at the voter. And you can tell he's looking at the voter base. Mm-hmm. He's looking at who who can I scapegoat yeah. in this equation? And it's black folks. F- Florida, the highest growing population of, 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 of minorities, Hispanics, and mm. as it is in many places around the country. So mm-hmm. he's not going to scapegoat Hispanics. He's not right. going to go down that road. But black folks can be the scapegoat in this particular configuration. Yeah. So and that's a that's a bat signal to 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 uh, voting blocks across the country that mm. he's willing to do that. So when we look at these things that keep making the news with him, this is signaling out to other places around the country that he's willing to do what it takes to become that front runner for the Republican Party. And he's positioning himself in a way where he's doing it better than than Trump did. Right. So. Right. And 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 also, I, I mean, I this is no compliment whatsoever, folks. Uh, but but I think that DeSantis is a better politician. Oh, absolutely. Than Trump. So 100 percent. So to, to, more to disciplined. Point, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to your point, he's he's going to wear to where the votes are, you know, so that's that 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 is interesting. That is interesting. So um, so this is kind of a a uh, counterpoint. And and since since you are our our resident former uh, <laughs> Floridian, um, can I tell you guys a secret? Yes. My in my first, I was in the first. My first voting election was the Hanging Chads election. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. that was my first election as oh, an adult. Uh, so mm-hmm. so like. During that time, did you was your Chad hanging? Yeah, we were we were hanging chats. We were actually turned away. This is why the the story about that was one of the stories, one of the things that he's cutting, which I think is I wanted to make sure we highlighted that he cut a million dollars from Valencia College to create the film about the 1920 Okoe Election Day massacre. That particular massacre was in which a mob 
attacked and killed dozens of black voters f- just for trying to vote. That's wild. That's all, that's all they're trying to do. And it's, it's a much deeper story because this black man came twice to try to vote in that election, and he became the, the focal point of this. They went and surrounded his house where they thought it was hiding just because he tried to vote. He didn't do anything else. Right. All he did was vote. All, all he did was go twice to go vote, and they were like, and he better not come back here trying to vote again, basically. Jeez. And so when we talk about political fodder, he is signaling very clearly what who he's willing to sacrifice for votes. Yeah. And it is black people. I want to be very clear. And the the interesting thing about it is when we the the Dixiecrats, okay, I'm doing a little <laughs> the Dixiecrats in Florida were the 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 um the Democrats, but this is a, a line that people use, well how come you guys are going with Democrats? They were the racist ones, but everyone knows they flipped. But yeah. telling stories like this are what help people understand the flip. Yeah. What help people understand who was who and what was what back in this is hundred and three years ago. Mm. And people think the things that are happening now are happening. Right now. No, these have a long history. They didn't just originate yesterday. Yeah. Long history in the country of, one, keeping black voters from voting, which is, which is an allegation that has been levied against Florida for a number of elections. Yeah. Um, keeping people who have a right to vote as citizens from voting, whether they're felons or whether they have some other strike against them in another capacity. Um, so these things are very married. What, what DeSantis is doing... And what we are seeing now all over the country, these and, and what we if we look at our historical past, if we look at um, the massacre at Okoye, Florida, all of these things are connected. And I want people to understand that people they're drawing from these historical lessons to keep dis- to keep voters disenfranchised, to yeah. keep people from um, reaching their fullest potential as voters and as civically engaged citizens in this country. And and to uh, say it in in a much 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 uh, less educated way (laughs) Um, if you keep voters um, hungry and if you keep them uneducated they're less likely to rise up against you it's a game of thrones it's a game of power (laughs) listen (laughs) you know Uh, so so um, I want to thank you for for joining us I hope that you enjoyed this insightful uh, news news conversation uh, news coverage on the Melanin Report. Want to thank our cousin of the show, Dr. Kamika Campbell for coming through once again. Thank you thank you, Dr. K. Thank you for having me. This was great. Yes, yes, yes. So, so until then, we'll see you on Wednesday. God bless anyone within the sound of my voice. This is Dr. Vega. My heart and prayers go out to all that have been affected by the Rona-19. Rest in peace to my cousin Sonny. Rest in peace to Fred the God. The Wolf, thank you, brethren. Much respect. This song's purpose is to bring inspiration, healing, and hope to the world. We will survive, baby. Stay strong. Keep the hope. Keep the faith. And remember, quitting is not an option. Let's go, Wolf. Let's go. All right. We are the one that survive. We are the one that love life. All right. We are the one that kill. We are the one who share. All right. Those are the man that hate life. Those are the ones who kill Christ. Let's gather up, team up and start pull What them 
feed it, just can't digest cause it's full Them coming from a soul, I got to move Quick, you can't fool some, you cannot fool My respect on the loose My people, them need another chance Open the door, give a room and make we dance Who is to be blamed, we all know it's your fault We survive your disease, we give you what you ask Yeah God is in charge, him saving best for last Wicked man make this prize a show Love to my people Someone tell me what these man really come to Cause if you need them They ain't gonna trip you So anywhere you go Them can't track you Lord have mercy, wicked man are thirsty Alright, we are the one that survive We are the one that love life Just keep the faith inside. Press along with your by your side.